Amen. Wow, what a great praise and worship time. Thank you. Well, hey, good evening, everybody. I'm Mark, and this is my wife, Jana, and we are really honored to get to come and spend time with you this evening, right? All right, well, we picked a topic that we thought would be of special interest to people your age in particular, and so our topic tonight is how not to ruin your life, okay? We've set the bar pretty high, right? So how not to ruin your life? Well, the reality of it is nobody just has as their life goal to ruin their life or to make decisions that, that just jump the track of their life completely or to have these epic fails. Of course nobody does that. But the reality of it is, is that there are ideas or sets of ideas that the world throws at us that frankly are deceptive and they're, they're, myths, they're myths even, they're even lies if you will, and we call those things false narratives, all right? Well, what's a narrative is something that we have kind of over the last few months really dug into, and, it's, and you may be familiar with this, but a narrative is, well, let's first think about, well, what's a, a narrator? A narrator is somebody that's telling a story, right? And so a narrative is a story that we are being told either from the world or that we're telling ourselves. And what's interesting is that our stories, it should be up there, our stories are what run our lives, right? We live by the narratives we tell ourselves. And what's challenging is that when we're listening to those narratives that are false narratives from the world, then we'll make decisions in accordance with those false narratives, right? And that will lead us into behaviors or into decisions that can be improved out very destructive or ruinous, if you will. I'm, I'm running. Okay. Well, what's opposite of false narratives of the world would be what? The narratives are that we really want to focus on, and those are Jesus's narratives. So the question that we're going to, ta- one of the things we're going to tackle tonight is, what are the narratives you're living by? Are you living by false narratives? Are you living by Jesus's narratives? Now, the false narratives, like I was saying, are things that the world would throw at us. And they come in pithy little sayings like, you know, you know, um, you know, it's get all you can or, you know, you only live once or, um, you know, do whatever makes you happy. Right. Those are narratives that we have out there that we we hear and that we can fall prey to. And those things will lead us down a path that can be very destructive. And frankly, you can, you can look around and you may have experienced it even in your own friends or family, people that, that get caught up in these false narratives and it leads to, to dark places and dark, dark decisions, right? So instead, we want to look at this. What we need to do is look at Jesus's narratives. Well, what are Jesus's narratives? Well, Jesus's narratives are the ways that he tells us to think, things that are based on biblical truth, on the things that he is emphasizing, on the way he thinks and on the way he behaves. And so tonight, we want to make sure that when, as we evaluate this, that we're either living by, then as we evaluate these narratives, that we're, we're choosing the ones that, that Jesus is pointing out to us. It reminds me of Matthew chapter 7. You remember when Jesus is preaching there on the Sermon on the Mount, and he's talking about that, you know, make sure that you build your house on the rock, right? Because if, when the and the rock is what? It's the teachings of Jesus. If you obey the teachings of Jesus, if you do what he says, then you're built on the rock. Whereas if you don't build 
on the things and the ways of teachings of Jesus, your house is built on the sand. And what happens when the storms come to a house that's built on sand? It doesn't go well, right? So, so as we look at this, the thing I want to make sure that we carry away from this first part of our discussion tonight is that, that these narratives are so instructive. And so we want to make sure that these things that we're either telling ourselves or these things that we're listening to are not false narratives, but the narratives of Jesus. So think, it's just real simple. Narratives of Jesus equals good. False narratives equals... Oh, okay, there you go. Yeah, you got that down. So, so then let's take it from there. So if we're going to follow Jesus' narratives, then we've got to evaluate, well, what does that look like? How can we follow Jesus' narratives? Well, Janet, there's a passage. Let's turn to Matthew ch- or chapter 11, and it's slide four up here. But I want Jana, she's going to read that from the message. I like the way the message. All right, this is Matthew 11, starting in verse 28. The words of Jesus. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and I'll show you how to recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Love that. I will not lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and rightly. So one of the things that Jan and I have been doing here at the church is teaching or leading a course called the Apprentice Series. And, yeah, we're my apprentice. Yeah, we got some here. I saw saw Brad and Kellen and Stephen and Ben. A little heckling going on out there, (laughs) Ben. But what do you call someone who follows the teachings of Jesus? They're an apprentice. You call them an apprentice. You're, in other words, we're learning from Jesus, or often is called a disciple. We are, we are discipling our, our Savior, Jesus. And so that's what we're going to step into tonight is, is what does discipleship look like and how can we put that into action? Back in the, uh, prior to World War II, there was a, a Christian classic book written called The Cost of Discipleship. And it was written by Diedrich Bonhoeffer, and, and his, it was a masterful uh, piece of, of, of critique on the church at that time of cheap grace and, and easy Christianity. And what he was making the point of is that, is that there is a cost to the devotion of following Christ. And, it's, and of course, and he paid the full price, you know, and by dying in a Nazi German or a Nazi prisoner camp in World War II. But I want us to also consider, and it's so compelling, and Dallas Willard talks about it, called the cost of non-discipleship. What is the cost of non-discipleship? And Dallas Willard puts it like this. Non-discipleship, not following, not pressing in and learning Christ. Non-discipleship costs abiding peace, a life penetrated throughout by love, faith that sees everything in the light of God's overriding governance for good, hopefulness that stands firm in the most discouraging of circumstances, power to do what is right and withstand the forces of evil. In short, non-discipleship costs exactly that abundant life that Jesus came and promised to us in John chapter 10, right? So there is a cost to non-discipleship, and that's what we want to embrace is we don't want to pay that price. We want to press in to discipleship. So the reality of it is, 
The question is not, what will I have to give up to follow Christ, but rather, what will I never get to experience if I choose not to follow Christ, right? So just kind of bringing it up to where Jana's going to lead us in a minute, but this idea that false narratives versus Jesus's narrative is what we have to make sure that as we make decisions in our life, that that's what we're filtering things through, that that we're not listening to the false narratives that, that would lead us down a, a path that doesn't emphasize our following of Christ, but rather, what does Christ say about God? What does Christ say about us? What does Christ say about life? And make sure that those are the narratives that we follow. Okay? Yep. All right. So you get it, right? Like, the way you think determines how we live. So there are two common false narratives um, so, like, why don't I think about cultivating a relationship with Christ? Like, often, oftentimes, that's not my primary objective. Why is that? They actually say maybe less than 10% of believers would say that they are actively pursuing an ongoing relationship with Christ. So, we're going to look at two false narratives. All right, see which one of these maybe you identify with. The first one is, goes something like this, that what matters is that I put my faith in Jesus. That's all that matters, right? Like, so if you grew up in a church tradition, you know, that's, that's conversion, right? That's, um, that's um, the sinner's prayer, that's evangelism. And that's a beautiful part of the gospel, right? But it's not the whole, the whole gospel. I mean, I, I remember being, I came to faith when I was quite young, and I kind of remember just thinking I would like to not go to hell. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, smile and nod if you have shared that same motivation. Yeah. But is that what this whole thing is about? Like, is that the point of religion is just... So we could not go to hell. No, it's, it's not just to get us into heaven someday. It's really to get heaven into us mm -hmm. now. And I love that truth that, yeah, there's a hell someday. But there, you know, there's a lot of hell on earth right now. But that lasting fruit and peace that Mark described that as we become disciples of Christ, that's available to us now. So maybe that's kind of the falsehood that you identify with that kind of says, all I do is I say a prayer and I'm good, right? Like, that's it. Or maybe on the opposite side, you recognize this other narrative that says the only way to be a good Christian is to keep all the rules. So you can tell right away that smacks the legalism. And, you know, you know who you are. Like, I, I can be this too. I've been both of these at different times. Yeah, I can check in my list. I'm doing all the things, thinking that somehow I'm earning spiritual merit badges, right? Mm -hmm. So you can see how the first falsehood says, I just, you know, put my faith and I don't have to do anything. And this falsehood says, I have to do all the things, right? And of course, they're both way off because they missed the point. And the point is relationship. So if you grew up like I did, like I had a lot of respect for God the Father. But honestly, I am still growing in this idea that I'm a friend. I, I'm a friend of God. Isn't that kind of crazy? Um, we're told that many of you know, um, you know, Abraham in, in James uh, 1, I know James 2, I think it's verse 21, it says that Ab uh, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness mm -hmm. and he was called a friend of God. Abraham, a friend of God. Some of you gals are part of our Thursday morning Bible study and we just wrapped up Exodus and we're told that Moses met with God face to face in Exodus chapter 33 and it says that he talked to God face to face as a man talks to his friend, a friend. I don't always think of myself as a friend. 
This is my friend, all right? Mm -hmm. So I, I love that. And that's honestly helping me. So which of those do you identify with more? Let's recognize that the way we think, we live at the mercy of our ideas, those narratives. And the way that we think will determine how we live. Yeah, that is so good. Thank you, Jana. I mean, so I got to think, anybody um, in your college study real estate, you know, Real, when you study real estate, real estate what do they say? If you want to find a valuable piece of property, they say location, 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 location. As we grow in our relationship with Christ, what's the word? Relationship, relationship, relationship. relationship. It's not about rules. Those can may perhaps help direct us there. And it's, and, but it is about being in relationship with Christ you can't be friend with somebody if you don't press into that and spend time with that. And so one of the things that we absolutely want to make sure that, we come, that comes across tonight is that it's, it is so critically important and something that we keep learning more and more is how do I press into relationship with Jesus Christ? And so that's so much a part of what we just want to emphasize yeah. right now. Um, yeah, the secret to living I didn't know if this was... A, the secret to living a vibrant Christian life is relationship with Jesus. A Christian who lives apart from Jesus is disconnected from his life and the power and cannot bear the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. Fruit of the Spirit comes from being connected with Christ. In fact, um, John 15, 5 talks about it like this. How, I'm going to read that one in the message as well. Do you have that in the message? I do. Okay, good. I am the vine, you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relationship, there's that word, is intimate and organic. The harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Yeah. Oftentimes, I like when we come to familiar passages like John yeah. 15. I mean, you've heard it before, likely, but I love hearing that in a new translation, the word, it's that relationship, it's intimate, it's organic, it's authentic. That's really good. I know. In fact, I, I love the word abide, but it's abide. good. <laughs> abide is good, but I'm going, I don't use that every day in my life. I, I abide with Jana, I guess, you know. Yeah, that's what we do. But, but anyway, how do we join up in our relationship with Christ is so important. So, all right. So, let's do this. By way of review, we have talked about narratives, right? Yep, they got it. Okay. Yep. I'm sorry. I no, just, you're good. I'm a lawyer. I'm building my case you here. You did a great so, job. So, but then, then the next big issue is what? Relationship. Relationship. Yeah. Okay. Now yeah. we're going to take that into how do, we, how do we land this plane? How do we build into that relationship? Cool. And that's, that's what we call uh, soul training practices. Soul training. Doesn't that sound soul cool Soul training. Soul training. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of a show that I used to watch when I was growing up. <laughs> Soul Train? Is that the Soul one? Train. Yeah. yeah. Anybody else watch Soul Train? <laughs> yeah, we've said a, quite a bit on yeah. in Apprentice on Sunday mornings that I never stumble my way accidentally, stumble my way into greater Christ-likeness, right? Not going to happen, right? I have to be intentional. So we do have to kind of be intentional and have some activities that are geared toward relationship, okay? I'll, I'll use our daughter, Ellie. We've got two gals at, at, in college right now, and um, Ellie... How many of you have ever had, like, a kind of potluck roommate type situation, like lived with total stranger, you never saw the, I, yeah, basically, yeah, right. So the irony is, Ellie, I think she basically liked this girl. Like, I, I asked her, yeah, she, I, she's nice. 
But I asked her how it's going, and here we are, clearly. We're deep in the school year, right? We're about done. And I'm like, how's, you know, I'm not going to, let's call her Cindy, shall we? How's Cindy? And Ellie's like, you know, we're like nearly never in the room at the same time. So how do you think their relationship is going, right? Because they spend like this much time together, right? Nada. Yeah, so of course they're not. They're not talking. They're not getting to know each other. So uh, you, get, you get that, right. Yeah. Yeah. So we have to spend time with intentional. Christ. If we're going we're to learn from Christ, we have to spend time with yep. him. So uh, the next slide is soul training practices are any activity, any activity that can help us draw closer to Christ, learn from him, and engage his power to live life as he taught and modeled. Let that sink in a minute. Any activity that can help us draw closer to Christ, learn from Him, and engage His power to live life as He taught and modeled. And so every moment is an opportunity for that, right? We don't bifurcate our life into, okay, this is a, an, an exercise that I don't draw closer to Christ, and this is one that I do. Every chance is an opportunity for us to learn Christ and draw closer to Him. Okay, I practice this name. Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Thank you. I practice that. I am familiar with him, so this isn't new. But he has this great quote. The meaning of earthly existence is not, as we have grown used to thinking, in prosperity, but I like this, in the development of the soul. Who else likes that? Is it just me? I mean, we don't talk about soul in it, but the development of the soul. You got you some soul. I know. So we're going to, that's what we're going to get into now, is how do we develop (laughs) the soul through these soul training Practices And like Jana said a minute ago, these are not a barometer of spiritual maturity, not merit badges that you get with God, no way that you're earning you know, more favor with God. Um, God loves us, couldn't love us any more than he did, but these are ways that we draw closer to God. So as we draw closer to him, we learn of him and, and it'll affect who we are. Yeah. Good. Okay. All right. So before we give you some ideas, you guys are smart, and a lot of you have walked with Jesus a long time. So we're going to kind of just toss out a lot of soul training ideas, right? Just ways we can be intentional about building our relationship with our friend Jesus, right? Some of these you're probably nailing. You're probably nailing them much better than I ever thought about, right? Others might be a new idea. So some of us may feel like a fire hydrant. Just try to hold on to like one or two new things and think, you know, I could try that. I could see that might be something new that could work for me. All right. So we're going to start at the very beginning because I love fresh starts. Anybody else? Do you like a new day, new week, new month, new year? First yeah. Year, All right. Start well. Start well. I love morning. I do. I know you may not be a morning person, but um, what I really want you to think about is starting your day on your own terms. Maybe that's at 10 a.m. for you, you know, instead of like 5.30 a.m. for me. But whenever it is, I really like the idea of starting the day on your own terms. You know, Jesus is our model for life, and the scripture tells us he would withdraw early in his day and get away alone because he wanted to start his day on his own terms, right? Oftentimes, as soon as you step outside your door, maybe outside your room, my day is a little bit outside of my control, right? You're getting launched into everybody else's agenda and you've got your objectives and your to-do list and people want something from you. And sometimes that first half hour, that may be the only part of your day that is yours, it's your own. So here's how I start my day on my own terms, okay? What's the first thought you have in the morning? You ever thought about that? You ever heard there are like two kinds of people, apprentices, you've heard this before, two kinds of people, right? People who wake up and say, good morning, Lord, and people who wake up and say, 
Good Lord, it's morning. <laughs> All right, yeah. So honestly, I try really hard to make my first waking thought. Good morning, Lord. Okay, in those three little words, if you remember nothing else, can you remember try, maybe try that, good morning, Lord? I know. Three words, because it says a lot. A, it's good. It's good. This is the day the Lord has made. That reminds me of Psalm 118.24. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. It's good. I woke up. It's good. All right? Good morning, Lord. You are God, and I am not. I just need to acknowledge that every day. Every day that I've got to surrender control, that he is God. I, I choose Lord there. Good morning, Lord. Sometimes I even hit my knees. Mark is better at this than me. And go ahead and, you know, take a child's pose and surrender your day. Go ahead and start acknowledging. Just connect your heart to God's heart. It takes like 10 seconds, right? Mm -hmm. And then I have these slides I wear all over the house. I really love my Birkenstocks. I wear them in my house all the time and out of my house. But I've got several colors. But um, if you're like me, I wear them to the bed, right? And then I put them on out of the bed. And so sometimes I forget Good Morning Lord, so I have an insurance policy. <laughs> I'll show you my sticker. All right, so I got a little yellow sticker in there. So, yeah, they say, like, great and hooray, and, like, all my shoes have these lovely stickers. And sometimes I forgot. So I'm like, oh, yeah. Good morning, Lord. <laughs> so uh, just an idea. Start your day connecting your heart to your friend, your friend Jesus. That's really good. Yeah, very good. Yeah. All right, moving on along. Um, scripture, memory, and Bible study. Duh. Shocking. I might tell you to read God's word. Um, you know, the, my heart can't love what my mind does not know. Heart cannot love what the mind does not know. Okay? I cannot know God apart from the study of his word. I have needed a lot of help. I, Mark, I think, intrinsically is just a better human than I am. But I have had a lot of rough edges that God needed to deal with. And so honestly, he's had a lot of his way with me as I've meditated on scripture. Um, doesn't have to be a ton, like pick a verse and say it again and again and again, and it will work its way into the marrow of your bones. I still remember being 1920, uh, and I had a verse on my heart for like a year. It took a while. <laughs> Hebrews 12:11. all discipline seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet, to those who've been trained by it, trained by it afterward, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Because mm -hmm. I found a lot of the stuff that I knew I wanted to do, I didn't want to do, right? I, in the moment, I don't want to do it. It's that we're disciplined, but um, as we're trained by it, oftentimes I pray, God, help me want what I want most over what I want right now. Mm -hmm. So... Um, I use an app on my phone. Um, we might talk some yeah, more no, about different yeah. technology aids later. You know, technology, blessing and a curse, right? But I love scripture memory. It's a white box with like a red Bible. So if you're kind of like, if you like to measure your progress and you want somebody to keep track of your verses and how often you should review them and you get like points and it's kind of gamified, you get like a badge and you feel really cool. So I love uh, scripture memory. It's been a really, really great motivating tool for me to kind of review my verses every day and it knows how well you know it. So it'll bump that one out a month, but this one backs up. You better do that one every third day now. So scripture memory, great way to kind of help with your scripture memory. Um, yeah. yeah, there you go. That's really good. So the next one that I thought we would talk about kind of go together, prayer, and journaling. So prayer, talking to God, communicating with God. I mean, I can't know my wife if I don't talk to her. 
you know, and so I can't know my Lord if I don't talk to my Lord. And, you know, the reason that journaling is there is that journaling has, for me, been something that um, over the years has just come to mean a lot to me. I process a lot with pen and paper. Um, you know, it's amazing, the little $10 journal you can get at Walmart, how much that has come to mean to me as I fill those up. But very often, it's just, dear Lord, um, and just kind of go through it. And I'm just, and I just use that journal to pray. And, of course, prayer is anytime. I, I came across an ac- acronym recently, PRAY, PAUSE. R, rejoice and reflect. A, you know, ask. Ask for others. Ask for yourself. And then Y, yield. Yield to what the Lord is doing. You know, yield your, his, my will to his will. Pray. But that journaling, I, um, I just highly emphasize that. It's, it's also good that, man, I, and maybe it's the work I have or whatever, but over the years, I mean, many a, a night, in the middle of the night, I'll wake up anxious, worried, you know, the pressures of whatever that I may be feeling like I'm bearing, you know, cast all your cares upon him, you know, uh, rejoice always in the Lord, you know, do be anxious about nothing. I mean, all of those things that just, I can just journal. And it's just like the Lord meets me there very often in the middle of the night. So prayer and journaling are just, I can't emphasize that enough. I'm, and I still do it. And so, and for all these things, these are, this is not us, we are inviting you into these things with us because these are things that, that we are finding so fruitful and so absolutely necessary in our own walk and growth in relationship with Christ. Yep. Yeah, you want to talk about worship? Yep, next up, worship. All right, don't we love the low-hanging fruit, right? Mm-hmm. This one's easy, right? Doesn't cost you any time. Who likes music, right? Are you listening? I am all the time. I've got it on in my car. I've got it on in my room. I've got it on wherever I go. Uh, Jordan is such a gifted worship pastor, and here's the great thing. I feel bad at prayer sometimes. Anybody else? So, but half the time, if you're worshiping, it's like praying God's words back to him, right? Uh, what's that one we've been doing recently? The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. You know that one? Lift up your face toward you. That's number six, 24, 26. So shout out to scripture memory too, because a lot of our modern day worship, it is so cool because it is lifted right out of the pages of scripture. And it's always fun. Sometimes you're reading your Bible and you're like, hey, I know a song like that. But um, when we worship, so much of it is really, it's, it's like just my prayer set to music. And so when I don't know um, what to pray, oftentimes I'll just sing. I was thinking about coming to talk to you guys and I was singing, Jaira, you're enough. You know, mm-hmm. he is enough and so I'm enough. So another great way, um, some of you know Matt Dickey. I think he's so cool. He went with one of our daughters to Peru on a mission trip for Hoops for Hope. But um, he tells the story. This is how he came to faith. Have you heard about like these 30-day challenges they do on like Air One? And he said he was kind of in a bad place in his life. I hope I'm telling this story correctly because it's secondhand from our daughter, Grace. But um, apparently he was in a bad spot, not a believer. And his mom said, Matt, would you just listen to this station for 30 days? And he said that for him, that was like the start of him being invited into like this God, this relationship that I'm, I'm accepted, I'm forgiven, and I'm loved, and I'm approved, and it's like just preaching a sermon to you all day long about how valuable you are, so yeah, yeah worship. Such a good point. I mean, I'm in the joyful noise group, you know, it is, it is so fun. You know, one thing about that that did strike me too is how physical worship can be too. If the men's conference, you know, part of what we did was we just all got on our knees and and, and prayed and worshiped. I mean, there's some things that incorporating some physicality into it as well. Solitude, all right. Solitude, we, 
we live in a world where we're just, and rightfully, we need people and we're around people, but there are times when it's so important to just withdraw and just be with God. Um, for me, a lot of times that includes some habit stacking. I, I like to run. It's very therapeutic. I enjoy it. And so um, a lot of times I go for, I, when I go for a run, it's, we'll run together sometimes, but most of the time it's just me running with God. And I may listen to a podcast or I may not, um, but I can't tell you how often God has met me in that. Um, and so finding ways to, to get solitude into your life to where we just slow down in, in the sense of the frenetic pace that we're on and find a way for God. He whispers. God does not shout. He most often, you know, is that still quiet voice. And so when we get alone, we're going, oh, man, thank you, Lord. I need that. So solitude is just such a great, a great thing. I don't like to be alone. Yeah, this is my extroverted wife. I have FOMO. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, on that same um, token, on that that same theme, um, the idea of margin, I'm growing into the idea of margin. I really like to, like, get my to-do list, right? I'm going from thing to thing to thing to thing. And honestly, it can kind of make me anxious. I I like how John Comer, John Mark Comer coined this term, a non-anxious presence. Mm -hmm. I really want to be a non-anxious presence. And part of that is allowing myself some margin. Um, Part of starting my day well, good beginnings start actually with good endings. And part of me having some margin in my life has been I've got to get to bed a little earlier because there's no way I can get up in the morning and meet with God if I'm so strung out and I don't even hear my alarm. So I know that's hard to to hear because we've got college girls that are going to meetings at like 10 o'clock at night. You know, I get it. But... um, I like that Jesus was napping in, in the miracle where he like calmed yeah, the storm. He's both. taking a nap. So, you know, that's Christ-like too. <laughs> but just creating some margin. Maybe it's a media fast. Sometimes for Lent, I just try to give up social media or something like that just to create some space. Like, is that creating more relationship or less? So something to think about. Is there another yeah. one for me? Oh, yeah. All right. So where are my outdoor people? Like, you'd like to get outside? Okay. So I'm also like a, a science geek. I'm a... Yeah, I would love to tell you all like the, the why, the research behind why this is good for us, but um, getting outside does so many really good things for our bodies, but for our spirits. Mm-hmm. So part of soul training can just be spending time outdoors. If beautiful things happen. We really become more aware of God and his creation. When you see how big the world is, it helps us reframe ourselves mm-hmm. properly that, you know, when all I stare at is this, my world becomes very small and all about me. So oftentimes, some of you may identify with that kind of naturalist vibe that you feel close to God when you're outdoors. So something to, um, to explore. But yeah, the God who's good, he can really only reach us when we're quiet mm-hmm. and tells us to be still and know that he's God. No, and it's so good. And, and I think you'll see all these things kind of work together. You don't, they're not they bifurcated out. And even the next one, meditation, it, it's just so important when we, we pause and we reflect on what God is, is, is demonstrating to us, either through scripture, through a word, um, and we'll touch base on it in a minute, some just phenomenal, one in particular, uh, apps that's out there that we, somebody recommended to us recently, and we love it, but a lot of it has well, to do. go ahead and tell them about okay. it, it's great for Lectio meditation. 365. Is Lectio. it on the slide? You may want yeah. to, honestly, you guys, this is the coolest thing I really yeah. love. It even has a guy that has an English accent, which is kind of Oh, cool. they sound so good. But, so Lectio yeah. is, is kind of a word. Lectio Divina just is an ancient tradition of reading and rereading the same passage yeah. of Scripture to hear it differently. So it's spelled L-E-C-T-I-O, 
It's a free app, Lectio 365. What I really like about it is you can put it on at night, right before you go to sleep, and it kind of like ushers you into sleep by kind of reading over you. And it's honestly, just would you just download it and try it once? Because yeah. I think you'll love it. And they it, have these really cool British accents. But it was so soothing. It's kind of a yeah. new find for us. Yeah, um, but it's, it's meditation. It's meditation. Because it has a morning one as well. Yeah. So, so, okay. So those are some ideas for soul training practices, right? So what I want us to do now is talk about, well, John Maxwell, who's a Christian leader, thought uh, leader, he says, you'll never change your life until you change something you do daily. The secret of your success, any success, is found in your daily routine. Well, along with that, recently, the University College London, I want to go a little science on you myself, discovered through their research that to develop a new habit actually takes 66 days. 66 days. Jana, what it, holiday is 66 days from now? Independence Day. Independence Day. So here's a challenge that we are asking you to join us with. What if for 66 days, what if for 66 days we all picked one thing? You didn't have, one, thing. Didn't have one thing. One thing that you said, no matter what, I'm going to do that one thing for 66 days and just see what that does in your relationship with Christ. Yeah. That Lectio 365, that's what I'm doing. That's low-hanging fruit, guys. Go yeah. for the low-hanging fruit. Can you wake up and yeah. say, good morning, Lord, I brought? This is kind of funny, guys. When our girls were little, I think I had a failed, you know, parenting motivation plan where I gave them like a sticker chart type of thing. So look what I brought. Stickers for everybody. Yeah. I'm not kidding. Good morning, Lord. Could change handouts. your life. I don't know. Helps me. Honestly, guys, those three words. There's a God. It's not me. It's a good day, right? That might be one of your things. I'll tell you what I'm going to commit to do for 66 days. I don't journal. I don't journal. Mark has, he's just a natural journaler. Journaler? Is that a word? We got yeah. handouts. Mm-hmm. Got handouts. Did them so myself. for 66 days, I'm in this with you guys. I'm going to commit to write something in this a journal for 66 days. All right, what's it for you? Can you maybe pick something on this list? And here's the idea that we're going to land. 4th of July with more freedom and liberation in our lives to be better friends to God. Because I tell you, that's one of my favorite quotes, Mark, that that you'll never change your life until you change something you do on the daily, right? Right. The secret to your success and mine is found in our daily routine. So commit to us with this. One, be specific, be visual, check it off, put it on the wall. Visual, sticker. Yeah, yeah, be accountable. Tell somebody you're going to do this and help them hold each other accountable. And then, obviously, just be realistic. All right. Let me do this. You know, when we started the the topic, how not to ruin your life, in all seriousness, you know, the good and beautiful God doesn't allow life to be ruined. Okay? There are no lost causes in Christ. There is no ruin. No lost causes. Nothing beyond his redemption and his restoration. Yeah. So there's some hyperbole in that, clearly, that we're doing. But... But why, let's not pay the cost of non-discipleship, right? I mean, let's go deep. Let's, let's swim into the deep end of the pool, okay? And really meet Jesus where he is calling us to. He, is, he literally is dying, did die, rose again for relationship with us. So let's find these practices that are really wonderful. They're beautiful. They're amazing. That allow us to just press in. To Jesus. Um, one thing I came across through action bridges the gap between what we have and what we want. Yeah, action. Yeah. Any, any I love it. No, yeah. that's good. All right. Well, let me pray for us and um, 
and then we'll answer any questions you might have. Dear Lord, we thank you for all you've given us. I pray for these people here um, that, Lord, you want deep and abiding relationship with them. They're wonderful, and, and I just give them to you, Lord. I speak a blessing over them. I just pray that in every way, Lord, the stresses that they may be feeling, the pressures of life, um, Lord, the, the various things that they are encountering that are, that are worrisome, Lord, that they would just give those to you and that you would meet them where they are as we know that you love them. So, Lord, we thank you for this time. Thank you for the table, and we give it to you. In your name we pray. Amen.